We're listening to um, Hot Save America. Welcome to Hot Save America. I'm John Favreau. Uh, Dan has timed his vacation perfectly to this slow news week. So I'm very lucky <laughs> to be joined by Mitty Hassan, host of the Mitty Hassan Show on MSNBC. Slow news. Mitty, welcome back. Mitty Hassan, yeah, he's back. great. I finished taping my own song here in the DC Bureau. I'm excited to have you. We have a big show today. Uh, in a first for us, the Republican primary comes to Pod Save America. John Lovett and Chris Christie went into a New York Sorry, podcast sweetie. studio yesterday, and only one of them came out. Uh, you can hear that very lively conversation at the end of today's episode. Uh, before that, Mehdi and I are going to talk about Ron DeSantis firing a third of his campaign staff, including a speechwriter who shared some Nazi propaganda online. Uh, and what today's good economic news means for Joe Biden's political prospects. But first, Republicans are responding to Trump's multiple indictments by threatening to impeach Joe Biden based on various investigations and right-wing conspiracies that have yet to uncover any actual evidence. They got a three-year-old document where some Ukrainian businesswoman allegedly told an FBI informant that Biden was involved in a bribery scheme, a claim that Donald Trump's Justice Department already looked into and found nothing worth investigating. And they've got a couple IRS agents who've testified that Joe Biden's Justice Department interfered in the investigation into Hunter Biden, a claim that the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in charge of the investigation has repeatedly denied and, in fact, announced in court yesterday that he may bring additional charges against huh. Biden's son. Naturally, what? this led to the Speaker of the House uh, floating an impeachment inquiry on Sean Hannity's show. Let's listen. If you're sitting in our position today, we would know nothing if Republicans had not taken the majority. We've only followed where the information has taken us. But Hannity is rising to the level of impeachment inquiry to provide Congress the strongest power to get the rest of the knowledge and information needed. Because this president has also used something we have not seen since Richard Use the weaponization of government to benefit his family and deny Congress <laughs> the ability to have I the just world. saw that uh, with Trump, uh, dude. And then the next day, McCarthy maybe kind of walked it back. Okay, now, now you all understand this. Uh, you've worked here for a long time. You understand what impeachment Just like, yeah. Uh, Not impeachment. Filling in time. <laughs> it's just falling. Saying whatever he can. <laughs> All right, Maddie. So up until now, McCarthy uh, hasn't gone along with the uh, the kooks in his caucus who want to impeach Biden. Why do you think he seems to be changing his mind? He's do we know he's changing his mind? I mean, as you said, you just played those clips. He's playing, you know. He he chooses his words as carefully as he can for a speaker who has no power. Remember, John, this is a guy came in, what, 15th ballot? He won 15th time round. If a person okay, goes to the America, <laughs> He got the job. We all know he came in as the best speaker ever. I'm reminded, John, do you remember during uh, Paul Ryan's speakership, someone amended the Wikipedia <laughs> this guy's smart as a whip. This guy. Way more finalist than Ryan ever was. From January the 6th to Marjorie Taylor Greene, QAnon, white supremacy, and now impeachment. And of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who and I know is the real power in the house. She's been wanting to impeach Biden from day one. In fact, I think she brought in after the in the first week uh, of uh, his presidency. So 
doesn't surprise me. Um, he'll keep, I think he'll keep doing his dance where he's, he's for it. Maybe he's not for it. Maybe he tries to speak, <laughs> out, of, you know, speak out of both sides of his mouth. That's Kevin yeah. McCarthy. His caucus are his caucus. They're nuts. You can't control them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I guess we know... We know the comments were intentional because uh, he followed it up with a written statement and sent a fundraising text to his list George saying, Santos. like, Biden impeachment inquiry. Why don't they here, replace him with George Santos? Inquiry. Yeah. It's just an inquiry to find the facts because Republicans love finding facts. <laughs> uh, but, but what's interesting is when the Democrats, of course, the two impeachment and inquiries and committees and Donald Trump. I'm old enough to remember Kevin McCarthy was one of those people who said, we'll divide the country. This is partisan. Shouldn't be, you know, inflaming tensions. Uh, Democrats, he said, have been wanting to impeach Donald Trump since the day Trump became president. It was all projection, as usual. This is exactly what Republicans are doing. MTG has wanted to impeach uh, Biden from day one. This is, quote unquote, dividing the nation further. And of course, if you don't like impeaching Donald Trump for an actual phone call in which we have a transcript of him extorting a foreign leader if you don't like impeaching Yeah, how come he still hasn't been charged for that? Government building. <clears throat> you are okay with impeaching Joe Biden over this, as you say, nonsense or unverified allegations where your star witness turns out to be uh, in, you know, an indicted it is, it is hard to keep track of this one, and I was listening to McCarthy's press conference yesterday, but Romania gets involved, and, and weird drive things, and audio tapes that no one has. They describe it as like the, the, the Republicans are in an investigation of whether there's enough evidence to launch an inquiry with no question. So they've got an investigation into whether they should open an inquiry into possible impeachment yep. proceedings. That's how far down the road we are. Because they don't have anything. They don't have anything, but meanwhile, while they say all that officially, or just, you know, Capitol Hill reporters in the hallway, sound very much business, go on Fox and Newsmax and say, Joe Biden's a criminal. Joe Biden's bribed people. Just make these wild, unsubstantiated claims. Uh, so it doesn't matter. But I would say it's inevitable. What I would say, though, while we can laugh, the Republicans and laugh at Kevin McCarthy in the White House is kind of mocking conspiracy theorists. Impeaching Joe Biden will hurt Joe Biden. I, you know, I want to be consistent on this. I was one of those people who, when Democrats said, "Oh, if we impeach Donald Trump, it'll hurt us," I was one of those who said, "No, it won't. Actually, it'll hurt the president." They would remember Donald Trump. Impeachment do hurt presidents. And Bill Clinton, people think, you know, there's a convention with you said Republicans got her impeaching Bill Clinton. It's not true. Within 18 months of, you know, Bill Clinton, you know, not being convicted in the Senate, Republicans have won the White House, the Senate, and the House. So it does, you know, let's be very serious about this for a moment. An impeachment inquiry to Joe Biden certainly hurt Joe Biden going into 2024. Enough people would just hear the words bribery, bribery, bribery. And that's why they're doing this, right? They want the both candidates to be accused of corruption and have been impeached. Because that's the Republican way, right? Oh, it's my guy over your guy. Don't believe anyone. Yeah. That's how nihilism and fascism grow. I mean, I think it's absolutely right that this is their motivation for doing it. Republicans clearly aren't happy with the political environment right now. I think they're starting to realize a lot of these that they're going to end up with a broadly unpopular criminal defendant as their nominee. They see the economy improving, crime falling, problems going down. What they unite them is their hatred for the other side. So, you know.
know, the hope is to impeach Joe Biden, drag down his approval rating so it's low enough to beat him. I also think that, you know, there are low information voters uh, who happen to be a lot of swing voters who don't pay close attention to the news. They don't follow the news closely as junkies like you and I. And if they hear that Joe Biden was impeached, Donald Trump was impeached, then they may say, yeah, both candidates are corrupt. And so that's that. I don't. I don't know how impeachment will go politically um, for a lot of the rest of the electorate. And, you know, like, I, I don't know if, if Donald Trump was hurt politically by his first impeachment. Like, I certainly hope he would be. I don't know that his political standing changed that much. I think maybe in the second impeachment, a little bit. Here's where Trump's different, of course, God, is the reason is, the reason why this is the first impeachment at home is because you could have impeached for a dozen things, and they chose one of the most complicated foreign-related stories to do. Yeah. People actually would have impeached him for obstruction of justice over another month earlier, or for, you know, emoluments or stuff that people understand, making money in the White House when he shouldn't. Right, that's the one they decided to go on, because Democrats thought this would be the mass sex one. This would be the really, that's why Pelosi and Co. decided to belatedly have dragging their feet. Impeachment, so you're right in that sense. I think it's very different with Biden. With Biden, they struggled to come up with a narrative that sticks to Biden. Remember in 2020, they tried he's old and demented. That didn't work. They tried that he's a kind of crazy left-wing communist. That didn't work. And so they've never really been able to gin up the hate against Biden that they did against Hillary, that they did against Barack Obama, that they did against Bill Clinton. So this now, they think maybe, is sticking. The bribery, the big gun. I mean, one yeah, way it's definitely hurt the campaign is a very terminal... Stick them with the story. same stuff that Trump's doing. Don't know Trump what the crimes. Big guy means. I've never heard of and then the makes him look less so, of a uber criminal. And by the way, before anyone says that you and I are being cynical in making this accusation, Kevin McCarthy, the man who is currently speaking, is also the guy who went on live television and to the consternation of his fellow GOP colleagues said, going off to Benghazi on Hillary, look at her boys. Yeah, and look, I think. All we know is uh, some of the Republicans, House Republicans, who were sitting in districts that Joe Biden won are uncomfortable at this moment going forward with impeachment because they don't think it will help them that much. And if and we don't know what the effect will be, but if I was the White House and I think Democrats argue that like, hey, these people in the House gave them one house of congress to control do you let and nancy pelosi table expelling all they have focused on cory bush a cory bush drafted hr 25 to expel all these motherfuckers what happened to that got tabled by nancy pelosi will like that but i at the very least it's the argument i would make if i was in the white house i'd have joe biden out there you know talking about things that people care about and the impeachment, you know, it could rally Democrats around Joe Biden. It could turn off some swing voters. I agree that, like, you know, the Republican base and low information voters might say, oh, yeah, no, he's probably corrupt. So, I mean, look, we've got to be clear here with, with, with the public audience. Like, whether, whatever you think about Joe Biden, his poll ratings are not good mm-hmm. right now. They are not where no. they should be. And in that scenario, because of the smear campaign, may drive up, you know, core support amongst them. It may lead to a rally around them. Democratic base, some of whom defamation in Biden over certain issues, uh, but it would also, as you say, you don't know how bad it's going to go. So, on Tuesday's pod, uh, I did say that we would try 
to uh, stop talking so much about Ron DeSantis' uh, embarrassment of his campaign, but he's left us no choice. Uh, on Tuesday, the governor and his staff were in a car accident where no one was injured, and that wasn't even close to the worst part of his day. Uh, the campaign announced it was firing a third of its staff, a speechwriter and former National Review writer named Nate Hockman, who apparently created and then captured the video that shows DeSantis' face on his Nazi symbol. Uh, and yesterday, DeSantis said that he'd consider putting <laughs> RFK Jr. in charge of the CDC. Uh, my first question is, like, why the hell did Ron DeSantis oh hire a speechwriter who's into Nazi symbols? That's the oh, question no. answer itself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, let's not forget, it's not like you came up with a Nazi symbol after working for Ron DeSantis, and that was the telltale sign. It sounds like he had no idea. No, no. Nate Hockman had already been attacked doing a Twitter spaces with Nick Fuentes, remember him, yeah. a Holocaust denier from Thanksgiving dinner guest, and Hoffman said that Fuentes was better for young conservatives than Ben Shapiro. And I'm no fan of Ben Shapiro, but if you think Nick Fuentes is better for young conservatives than Ben Shapiro, maybe that's your neo-Nazi alarm bell when you're hiring people. So he already got a pass on that, got hired by the fantasy. Do you know what time this guy big puppet? He was seen as the kind of face of the new young right. The problem with the new young right is lots is coming out about what they say in private and it's uh, not so nice. Uh, he's he's an incel. Ben Shapiro's an incel. Times, of course, reported that the homophobic video they made, where they bragged about the standard space he wanted to erase trans people, that was also apparently reportedly made in-house and then farmed out to make it look like it was organic. So everything about the DeSantis campaign is so fake and desperate for authenticity and grassroots support, which they just don't have. So, you know, it's, it's watching the DeSantis car crash. John, it really is, and I, and I guess, you don't want to sound like I told you so vindicated guy, but I was one of those people six months, eight months ago saying, oh yeah, take the dance on the national spotlight, bring him out of his Florida state and say, let's see how well that glass draws device. I know, we are on like, you know, the, the fourth or fifth news cycle about the DeSantis reboot, and he just keeps stepping on rakes. I mean, the, the RFK Jr. thing was wild, and then, of course, afterwards, Mike Pence hits him for suggesting that he might appoint RFK Jr. to the CDC because RFK Jr. is um, not is, is pro-choice. So that's what my Pence's problem was. <laughs> <laughs> of course, every, I, 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 missed, I missed the Pence. Of course, Pence comes up with that angle. I mean, for me, it was so interesting, John, because still now, Sanders has been playing footsie with the anti-vaxxers, right? He's kind of anti-vax light. He's anti-vax adjacent. I'm not anti-vax. I'm just against mandates. I don't push the booster in my state. I investigate the companies behind it. I'm not anti-vax. But in the interview that he does, where he says, RFK Junior CDCF, he explicitly says, the medical stuff, I'm with him. I like all that stuff. So he basically outs himself as an anti-vaxxer, in my view, in that interview. And his opponents could really be throwing that out here. But of course, that would, that would be in a general, in a Republican primary, being anti-vaxxer doesn't cost you anything, actually. Yeah, I mean, just to me, the whole episode showed, uh, shows just like, what horrible political instinct yeah. just has, right? Because he gets, and he's a he gets hit from... He gets hit from the right on uh, possibly uh, floating someone for an appointment who is pro-choice. And then he gets hit from everyone normal for um, floating someone who's an anti-vax. So he just doesn't win with anyone, which is like sort of the story of his campaign. The slavery stuff, right? The Florida education standards, right? The new African-American history standards. Controversy over a, a few lines in there, including one that suggests 
place benefited. It was a, a personal benefit because it became That is fucking um, creepy. DeSantis is off about it. He can run away from it and say, nothing to do with me. Or he can say, I'm with it 100% because I think it'll help, you know, appeal to my, some of my white nationalist base. He can't decide. So he stands in the press conference like, nothing to do with me. It wasn't me. But he gets killed in sacred parlay in uh, later life. First of all, he uses the word parlay uh, in everyday life. And number two, as Chris Christie pointed out, what kind of leader are you that when something happens in your state, your first response is shaggy style? It wasn't me. <laughs> Well, and then it got it got worse yesterday because Byron Donald, who is the only Republican, black Republican member of Congress in Florida, he uh, tweeted and criticized the state's education standards. And it was a pretty, you know, uh, all he said was it needs to be changed. I don't think that was, you know, I don't think that was right, whatever. And DeSantis' campaign then attacks Byron Donald and compares him to Kamala Harris. First of all, Doug, you gotta stop and say, Aaron Donald isn't just the only black Republican in Florida. He's part of a Florida House delegation, almost all of whom have endorsed Donald Trump. Yeah. What does that say the governor of Florida? The Republicans in his own state backing Donald Trump over him. I think, who was that? <laughs> Doobie? Is that his name? Great Doobie? Yeah. The Republican House member who said that when he fell off a roof, he was in the hospital. And DeSantis never really called him, and Trump called him, and charmed him. It was like, imagine, imagine being less compassionate, less considerate of your fellow man than Donald <laughs> J. Trump. So that's what DeSantis is in Florida. On Byron Donald, what's interesting about that is they're attacking this black Republican who comes out against them. They're doubling down on the slavery stuff. Uh, Jeremy Redfern, who's the deputy press secretary, one of these permanently online uh, uh, DeSantis trolls alongside Pushor and Brian Griffin, anyone who spent any time on political Twitter knows these people. They're the DeSantis people who just spend all their life fighting with people on Twitter. He spent the last 24 hours just doubling down, defending everything to do with this curriculum. So, you know, then we wonder, why is DeSantis losing? Why isn't he connecting with all these people? Number one, he's got a permanently online press team who just don't understand the real world and hire people like Nate Hockman. And number two, He's just an unlikable guy. Like, I saw someone floating the DeSantis line, which is I think every British DeSantis yeah, does that, something. Yeah, that's true. Right, Echoes true. the Bartlett line uh, from the West Wing. He's like, DeSantis, DeSantis. No, that's the last thing you want to do. Because the more people see the real DeSantis, the more they don't like him. The man is a, uh, uh, you know, charmless, short-tempered, thin-skinned, charisma-free zone. <laughs> the ball. That was a great the clip. Charisma of the ball. Uh, Why would you want to see a ball? Ball? Yeah, their whole thing about, uh, you know, we just got to give him a mic in a crowd and we got to break, <laughs> break down the barriers between Ron DeSantis and, and, and the voters. It's like, I don't think the voters want more of Ron DeSantis close up. I don't think, I think that they've seen that and they're not, uh, they're not liking it too much. So do you, hmm. you do anything as, right? Because he gets, he's a panda he gets hit from, he gets hit from the right on uh, possibly uh, floating someone for an appointment who is pro-choice. And then he gets hit from everyone normal for um, floating someone who's an anti-vaxxer. So he doesn't win with anyone, which is like sort of the story of his campaign. Like the slavery stuff, right? The, the Florida educational standards are out, right? The new African-American history standards. Controversy over a few lines in there, including one that suggests slaves benefited. It was a, a personal benefit because it was not That's killed. fucking outrageous. Um, the is asked about it. He can run away from it and say, do with me. Or he can say, I'm with it 100% because I think it'll appeal to my, some of my white nationalists. He 
he can't decide. So he stands in a press conference, he's like, I mean, do me, it wasn't me. But he did get skills that they could parlay into later life. <laughs> he uses the word parlay in everyday life. And number two, as Chris Christie pointed out, what kind of leader are you that when something happens in your state, your first response is shaggy style, it wasn't me. <laughs> well, and then it got, it got worse yesterday because Byron Donald, who is the only Republican, black Republican member of Congress in Florida, he uh, tweeted and criticized the state's education standards. And it was a pretty, you know, uh, all he said was it needs to be changed. I don't think that was, you know, I don't think that was right, whatever. And DeSantis' campaign then attacks Byron Donald and compares him to Kamala Harris. Because they're black. Hardcore Freedom Caucus member. First of all, John, you've got to stop and say, Aaron Donald isn't just only black Republican from Florida. He's part of a Florida House delegation, almost all of whom have endorsed Donald Trump. Yeah. What does that say about the governor of Florida? The Republicans in his own state backing Donald Trump over him. I think, who was it? Was it Stoobie? Is that even his name? Greg Stoobie? Yeah. The Republican House member who said that when he fell off a roof, he was in the hospital, and DeSantis never really called him, and Trump called him, and charged him. Like, imagine, imagine being less compassionate, <laughs> less considerate of your fellow man than Donald J. That's where DeSantis is in Florida. On Byron Donald, what's interesting about that is they're attacking this black Republican who comes out against him. They're doubling down on the slavery stuff. Uh, Jeremy Redford, who's the deputy press secretary, one of these terminally online disaster trolls, sure and grip, and anyone who spent any time on political Twitter knows these people. They're the disaster people who spend all their life fighting with people on Twitter. He spent the last 24 hours just doubling down, defending everything to do with this curriculum. So, you know, then we wonder, why is DeSantis losing? Why is he connected with all these people? Number one, he's got a terminally online press team who just don't understand the real world and hire people like Nate Hockman. And number two, he's just an unlikable guy. Like, I saw someone floating the that DeSantis team that that's just like, which is every political yeah, that, that's 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 the Echoes the Bartlett line uh, from the West Wing. He's like, DeSantis, DeSantis, DeSantis. No, that's the last thing you want to do. Because the more people do with DeSantis, the more they don't like it. The man is a why would you want to see more of the real ones? Yeah, their whole thing about, uh, you know, we just got to give him a mic and a crowd and we got to break, break down the barriers between Ron DeSantis and and, and the voters, it's like, I don't think the voters want more of Ron DeSantis close up. I don't think, I think that they've seen that and they're not, uh, they're not liking it too much. So do you, have you seen anything at all that would lead you to believe Ron DeSantis can claw his way back and make this a real race with Trump? Because I'm, I'm cognizant of not getting like caught up in the news cycle of the moment, but when I look at this, I just, I have not seen anything that makes me think this guy could, no. this guy could come back. Oh, and, and remember, in January, he was nearly neck and neck with Trump in the polls. He came in as this big star. He was hyped up by both conservative and liberal media. And he was a few points behind in some polls in some states. He was ahead of Trump. And it's all crashed and burned in the six months since. And I think there's two reasons for that. Number one is what we just discussed. The more people see him, the more they don't like him. He's not very good. He's got bad judgment. Number two, Donald Trump keeps getting indicted. <laughs> and every time he gets indicted, his approval rating with the base goes up, not down. And the right vote, not just the fact, all of them, don't know what to do the indictment. They don't know how to respond to these indictments. And over the next six months, that's all going to change. Donald Trump's approval rating is worse. 
that he'll be more of a martyr to the base. So we're understanding we're going to see more and more of, and people are going to like less and less of it. So I don't see how it turns around. People talk about, well, if Trump goes to prison, don't see Trump going to prison this side of the 2024 or ever. Um, so I just don't see how he comes back. You know, this is not 2016. Yeah, well, on that note, I want to talk about the rest of the field. Um, Mitt Romney wrote an interesting op-ed in the Wall Street Journal the other day where he called on Republican donors to pressure presidential candidates to withdraw from the primary by February 26th, which is after the first four contests, if they're not in second place. That way someone can have a chance to face Trump in a one-on-one race. What do you think about that proposal? Good idea? Plausible? Would it even matter? So How I about suspend it? I mean, I think that the only possibility at the outset of Donald Trump getting thought of a good uh, primary is by a candidate who series of whataboutisms. The whole, the whole DeSantis dream. Like, of what about Trump suspending the, the Republican like, Party? That what about the hundred sixty? What about DeSantis clearly has plenty of baggage of his own. Uh, Trump, without the chaos, he's causing plenty of chaos on his own. Yeah. Uh, so he has not done that. But I do think that, like, that's the right sort of area. But because, look, the, the Republican electorate, first of all, it's, uh, you know, probably two-thirds non-college educated, uh, which is, and Trump is just, just dominating with those voters. And all these other candidates um, are trying to get a piece of the college educated part of the, elect- the Republican electorate, who is, like, at least willing to look beyond Trump. And they're all trying to divide it up. So, like, Tim Scott is doing great. Is, does great mean he goes from 8% to 13% or 14%? Like you said, Donald Trump's over 15 in a lot of these, so that's still not close. Exactly. If Donald Trump's in the 30s, then this stuff makes sense. Like, what, are the, what are the coalitions? What are the people who can pull out and back someone else? We're not in that space. And the reason is, reality, none of the other candidates know why they're running. They just don't have a reason. Mike Pence, this is his reason for running, because I did great in the Trump-Pence administration. All right, then back, Mike, then back Donald Trump. Oh, wait, he almost got you killed. Uh, you know, Tim Scott, as I said, Tim Scott, running, you know, I'm the guy who evangelicals love. Well, evangelicals love Trump more. 
And you're the guy who also defended Trump for four years. Every time people said Trump's a racist, you were the guy who came out and said, no, no, he's not. Um, you know, he criticized him over Charlottesville, but then never, you know, never went full on. Similarly, you know, as you say, one understand is Trump without the baggage. I mean, nobody wants Trump without the baggage, apparently. Apparently, the Republican electorate likes the baggage. But that's, that's why they show up. They show up to the baggage. That's why they show up. They don't show up at the rally uh, uh, for, for Ron DeSantis. So, you know, who's left Nikki Haley? What, what is your reason for running? Nikki Haley, are you really just running for VP? So, if there's no real, if they don't know why they're running and what their strategy for victory is, then... Surprise, surprise, all comes to food the for a third time. I also think it's funny that uh, Mitt Romney, God bless him, uh, <laughs> thinks that uh, a bunch of uh, MAGA voters are going to listen to like rich Republican donors or any kind of Republican establishment figure who's going to try to pressure these candidates out and then say, like, no, no, this is the person now, right? Like, that, if anything, will probably backfire for that candidate yeah. that you have a bunch of, like, rich billionaire Republican donors from that, they, that Trump will call the establishment and rhinos and whatever else, suddenly you're telling you you have to get behind Tim Scott or Nikki Haley or whoever they decide after uh, if Haley doesn't make it. And I just think it's so funny. Like that, it's not going to work. You could, no. you could Mitt Romney's plan can happen, and it's still like the, how I don't get when people in the Republican establishment are going to realize that they just don't have any sway over their own state yeah. anymore. That's the key point, John. And I feel like Emperor's been closed. You need to say this. I think the liberal media has been complicit in this nonsense for so long. The way we push out never Trumpers, the way we kind of love sharing clips. What about is it? I'm looking forward to the Christmas Eve. It's about a, a no chance of winning. Slippery no. slope. And B, like he, he's lying about his party, right? This is a fundamental problem with all these Republicans. Shouldn't be in that party. The party's gone. The base is gone. Like this is. Uh, we don't like saying this, John, because it kind of. Those of us who talk about politics, we want to have solutions. We want to have some, you know, vision for the future. Reality is done. It's finished. It's over. The deal is gone. I've been saying this for eight, seven, eight years now, and if the people still don't believe it, I don't know what else to say. The man is about to get the nomination for the third time after everything put the country did for years. After his interaction with Republicans, he found this plan for about 13 hours, and yet he's going to win again, perhaps bigger than last time. The nomination. one poll number. The poll out is finished. The poll. So the of the they don't believe they were in the of my government. You don't believe it? Donald Trump said they were the of my government. Trump's argument the worst. I have a word for happiness. Trump's voters! 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 cooperate with the federal government and handing that document than Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just like, they know, they, they have seen the news. They just don't give a shit. They're telling the vultures, like, we don't care. Yeah, it's all just, we need to, you know, it's all rationalized, what they have to rationalize. You know, bless you, Mitt Romney, bless you, Chris Christie, like, this is done, it's done. It's over. Today's presenting sponsor is Simply Safe Home Security. Oh, they now have a security camera so advanced that Simply Safe monitoring agents can use it to speak to intruders inside your home. Yeah. Superpowers from yeah, Manicor. Before it. we go, I wanted to ask you about Joe Biden's prospects. Uh, here's a tweet from the Washington Post just signed on Tuesday. A lot of econ things breaking Biden's way of late. Inflation cooling, labor markets stays hot, recession calls downgraded, Inflation Reduction Act, Chips Act, investments booming. Today's big deal on UPS to avert summer strikes. And then, of course, on top of all that, yesterday we learned that uh, consumer confidence hit its highest yep. level in two years. And today we learned that the last quarter's economic growth uh, beat expectations. 
We've had a long-running debate here about whether Biden and the White House should be taking more credit for all this, or whether that would seem out of sense to people who may still be struggling with inflation, which is probably helping with happening with a lot of working middle-class people across the country. Um, what do you think about that? I'm of the view that you've got nothing to lose, right, at this point. Biden's ratings are bad. People keep saying the economy is bad. I, I just did a deep dive on my show on Peacock this week on this exact subject. The economy is doing really, really well. All the things you mentioned in the science which are pretty bad in place. Unemployment at its lowest level since Neil Armstrong stepped on the moon. You know, growth, a recession avoidance. Uh, really amazing that manufacturing booming, real wages are huh? income inequality. Huh? The, the thing that we on the left have banged on about the lot calling. So, all these good indicators, and yet people, not just Republicans, but people across the board say, well, I'm not so good, I'm not doing so well. Now, part of that is partisan shit. Part of that is media coverage. Part of it is real people still struggling with things like child poverty and debt, real issues. You know, Democrats need to get better at messaging. I've said that for a long time. And if you're not going to bang your own drums, who is? Because, you know, I know that people like that. I'm an MSNBC editor. I know people like that. MSNBC, Fox. No, Fox is a propaganda channel. Liberal media, quote unquote, a liberal, quote unquote, it doesn't act as a propaganda channel in the same way. It doesn't, you know, it's not It was started there. as a propaganda channel for the Republican Party. The That's what Fox is. Well, you know, uh, Trump got 200,000 new jobs and got praised for it by the liberal media, and Biden got 200,000 jobs and was like, well, disappointing 200,000 jobs. The same number reported <laughs> on differently. So, there's a lot of issues going on here, and I think, look, Biden cannot rely on the media, he cannot rely on anyone else but himself to go out and make the case. Uh, you know, might it sound out of touch? Oh, well, people have already started to make up their minds. We've just been talking about swing voters and people are living in low inflation bubbles. We've got to go out and make the case. People still think inflation is at a record high because they heard that all of 2022. They have no idea it's the 3%. To go back to what you said at the start of the conversation, most people are not huge junkies like you and I. And people don't just pull out their calculator and go, oh, I'm better off, worse off. I will support this president, not that president. That's not how it works. Yeah, it's about tariffs, about how you feel, it's the mood in the country. Biden is the guy who has to do that. There's a reason it's called the Bush outfit. He's got the facts on his side. It's not like he has to go out and lie about it. Right. But the fact is, they do need to apply Yeah, and I think, and you know, we see them doing that, especially over the last couple months and all these events that Biden's doing. And of course, it's uh, letting him, they're letting, he's letting them frame uh, him. Which is why he has to just, it just has to include a couple elements, right? Which is one, you're right, the facts are on his side. He just has to talk about all of the economic indicators that are all now heading in the, in the, in the right direction. You know, we used a chart in 2012 uh, with the Obama reelect about there's a famous jobs chart showed all the jobs that uh, were created over the last four years. And when we showed that to focus groups, it was very effective. I think Biden will probably be doing something like that. And then he says, you know, and for all the people who aren't feeling this, put me back in there to finish the job. And I will keep fighting these Republicans to raise wages and protect people's health care and all, all the other things. Like, I think it's just it's a it's a the whole finish the job. Uh, slogan yes. that he started in the State of the Union, I think it's good for the re-elect, because it shows you that he's not going to rest on his laurels and say everything's fine now, but he's going to go fight. Especially because it deals with the age issues all that. Why is this old dude running again? Like, why is he right. retire? Yeah. If he can make a case, well, I'm not retiring because I didn't finish this stuff. And also, with the negative stuff, and look, we, we, my producers and I were writing this script on the economy, like, we have, just as you know, have to put in, people are still hurting, we have to put in all the qualifiers, the caveats. You go through the caveats, all poverty up at 12 million, hold on, got it down to 9 million. Yeah. 
Charles, but the, uh, but the tax credit expired because of the politics until that shit, right? But even even the negative stuff, he can still frame it in the way that, yeah, child poverty is bad. I'm the guy who tried to cut it, Republicans stop me. Student debt is bad. I'm the guy who tried to relieve it, Republicans Supreme Court stop me. So there is still, as you say, a framing that can be done that says, even with the, even with the pockets of pain, help me out. I think one area that he hasn't said enough, and he's failed to do enough, is healthcare still, especially in the wake of the pandemic. Like, there's been no mention. I, I know he's got a Medicare for all guy. Get that. Like, public stuff that you talked about in the campaign trail, we've not heard anything about that. And people are hurting a lot after the pandemic, especially with people being thrown off Medicaid. I think you do much more on the health thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you will talk about the prescription uh, drug benefits. Student for defamation, that's what I would do. They don't have any evidence. Some of the extra premium. Like an automatic um, judgment. They have no fucking evidence. You're right. Like, it's I defamation. Assume for a billion dollars. Pressing his approval ratings. You put me back in for another four years and give me a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate, and we're going to push forward and do the, you know, whether it's public option, which he has talked about in his first campaign in 2020, uh, or whatever else. It's a continuum. Um, so I interviewed AOC a few weeks ago, asked her if she'll be supporting Joe Biden in the primary. She said she would. It predictably led to a bunch of blowback from the uh, very online left. We also have Cornell West giving disappointed leftists a place to go. Um, I know you've had your criticisms of Joe Biden here and there. What do you make of all this? How are you feeling about his election prospects? What do you say to disappointed uh, disappointed folks on the left? Great question. I saw some of the blowback here and stuff. And talk. Is that, uh, I can talk about all the good things he's done. We talked about the economy. There's a lot of bad things he's done, especially on the foreign policy front. Don't get me started on Israel, Palestine, Netanyahu. Don't get me started on the NDS. Um, conversation for another day. I've been very critical. Uh, and healthcare. Let me just let me just Thank on the you. election front. And so on. Because on the one brave hand, enough. I am up. one of those people like yourself says, come on, you cannot vote third party when fascism is at the door. We have a two-party system. A vote for a third-party candidate helps the fascists. I've been consistent on that. Yeah, how about a four-party no system? I had on my podcast years ago before 2020. Yeah. How about suspend the Republican Party? Suspend both parties and just run on names and... Even Noam gets it. Platforms. Having said that, I'm also someone who sees himself on the, on the left. I am very disappointed in many things about our economy, our healthcare, our foreign policy, things that the Democrats have failed on or, or turned a blind eye to. So I get the disappointment as well. Now, the argument then becomes people who are disappointed. You can say justifiably, can't really vote through it. On the other hand, if they're the kind of people who are going to let Trump back in, what are you offering them? It's a two-way street. On the one hand, the left has to understand what the greater threat is, and it is fascism. I mean, Cornell West said that in 2020. Well, Cornell West, while he's back to his sign in 2020, he into a fight. In fact, he's at the door. Um, so that argument is very straightforward. It's, on the other hand, if you have a lot of liberals and centrists saying, oh, look at these lefties, they let Trump win. Well, if they're lefties are that influential that they can let Trump win, maybe you should do a little bit more for the left. Yeah. No, look, I think... The, 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 the piece that criticized AOC in the New York magazine, like, you know, they accused her of appearing on an episode of Pride America where the hosts were saying that a vote for anyone but Joe Biden was a vote for Donald Trump. And I thought that was like, whoop. That is true. That is a, that is a true statement. Now, 
because I was going door to door and I came across people um, who were unsure who they were for, who maybe thought they might want to vote third party. I don't, I wouldn't believe them. I, would, yeah. I wouldn't say like, hey, if you, if you don't want to vote for Joe Biden, you're putting Donald Trump back into office and that's that. And what are you crazy about? Like, I don't think that's the best way to approach it. I think the best way to approach it is like, hey, you're free to do whatever you want if you really care about abortion, democracy, healthcare, wages, climate. You have a better chance of seeing progress on these issues with Joe Biden over Donald Trump. And it is very, very, very difficult, almost impossible, to be a third-party person winning yeah. in the screwed-up system that we have. We can acknowledge that the system is screwed up. We can talk about the door stuff for a long time. I mean, I, as you know, John, I, wrote, I just wrote a book about arguing today. Yeah, this way. Uh, a lot of social science out there on the importance of listening, on the importance of empathy, how you win people over. There's been a lot of uh, social science done on, for example, winning people over on transgender rights, just spending time on the doorstep, hearing people's objections out can actually have a massive effect four, six, nine months down the line. Like, all the data's out there. I get the importance of that. I'm not saying not to do that. Uh, you know, on the other hand, not an activist. I'm not knocking the door. I'm not a campaigner. That's not my job. My job, I'm a journalist, I'm a commentator. Uh, I, my job is to say what I think is true. My job is to share my opinion, my analysis. And my opinion analysis is that, yes, if you vote for a third-party candidate, that will increase the chances of fascists coming back, of another Muslim ban, uh, right, of more child separation. So that is what I'm going to say. Now, that offends people, upsets people. Oh, well. You know, I'm not. So... You know, as you said, there's a difference between what you throw on the doorstep and the court. You know, if I was on the doorstep, I was taking a much different stance. What I'm saying now is that, as opposed to sitting on top of the ground, you're saying, let us be clear. Oh, yeah. If you vote someone other than, uh, you know, other than Democrat or Republican, it's not going to elect that person, but it is going to help the right winger in this case. And we can argue about 2016, and Gary Johnson and Jill Stein, and who influenced more. I get that. There's lots of arguments to have. But now... Care about these issues, as you just said, with risk letting him back in, even though they have very good objections. I respect the objections to Biden and the Democrats. Certainly, he. To me, seems not. You know, an AOC saying that she's going to endorse Joe Biden is not like her selling out to uh, to the neo-libs like me. It's her realizing that there is a fucking difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And do you really believe that, Do- that Donald Trump is an existential threat to democracy, yeah. or yeah. don't you? Like, is he just That's a normal? Is he just a normal Republican who can be like a Democrat and you don't like him, or is he an existential threat? Sadly, John, a lot of these, a lot of these people on the left and the right, some people, I want to say a lot, yeah, a lot of people, online people, let us say, a lot of the left in some ways did that Joe Biden, right? Yeah, uh, very David, uh, Cornell West, no, some, a lot of prominent leftists did that. Okay. 
of comparison. I'm hand. still bashing. Um, but the reality is that... Tilty. Tilty debate. Discussion. He's a shite candidate. I remember people telling me when I was sold the crap. And corrupt. Well, not as corrupt as the Antichrist, of course, but. I think I think Trump is the Antichrist. Many many reasons why. And the weird thing watching people like uh, treat him like he's the return of Christ. Very weird. Strange, strange days. Christian, white Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism. Hi, darling. Bed, bath, and both. You 
save time at up to 25% when bundling your new favorite home essentials. We love Brooklyn. They've got great sheets, they've got uh, great pillows, they've got uh, great comforters. Well, all right, joining us now is the former uh, U.S. attorney, governor of a top three state in the, tri- in the tri-state area. That's right, and uh, this year you're a Republican candidate for president of the United States. That's what I've heard. Governor Chris Christie, welcome to Pod Day America. I'm happy to be here. And uh, you know what the show is. Yes, sir. Uh, what are you doing here? Um, you asked me to come. So yeah, yeah, that's I right. Thought, okay, right. show up. All right, cool. All right, so the latest <laughs> polling uh, out of what the What are you doing here? Shows Trump dominating. He's also dominating in national polls. Around 50%. Uh, another candidate is going to win. That candidate will have to consolidate the anti-Trump vote and peel off some people that have stuck with Trump until now. Who are those voters? And what is your best, most persuasive case to them? Well, first off, I don't think that the numbers on Trump are accurate. Um, I don't think they were 50%, even with Republican primary voters. Um, just from what we've done in terms of our own research and anecdotally from traveling in places like New Hampshire and South Carolina, where I've been in the last week, um, I, I think there are people who are in that number who would say to you, I consider voting for Trump. Um, but I'd also consider voting for somebody else, and I don't know who that person is right now, so I'll stick with Trump. So I think that number, his number, I think is much closer to 40 uh, and or below than it is 50. Um, secondly, I think the only way to be, to be the man is to beat the man. So, you know, our strategy is just to go directly at him. And there's plenty to go Plus, directly he's going to be with. indicted um, and I think many more times. The campaign's so. still persuaded. <laughs> Um, I absolutely think eventually it'll I sink in and these fucking Trump humpers. Nazi-loving Trump humpers. I think people are willing to be persuaded. Uh, and that's what I intend to do. That's what they are. I don't understand Nazi-loving Trump humpers. Because they're all trying to kind of be like him. And that's like trying to be new Coke when Coke is still available. Like, if you like Coke and Coke is still there, yeah, you're yeah. buying Coke. Okay. You're not buying new Coke. And look, the pitch for, for me is twofold. <laughs> Um, it's first that, um, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth. And it's not always going to like it. You're not always going to agree with it. But it would be nice for American politics to go back to having to tell the truth. And that's at a premium in our party, led by Trump, but with others as well. Um, secondly, that I want a presidency that goes back to doing big things. We're so small now, I think, and, and focusing on things that are really small, fighting with each other about small stuff, dividing each other into smaller and smaller groups, and then pitting ourselves against each other to where you can't even go to a cocktail party anymore and have a civil conversation. You've been making this case at Trump. It doesn't seem to have improved your numbers so far. It has hmm. produced, what, between 35 and 46 percent of voters have said in recent polls that they would never consider voting for you. Uh, does that tell you something about how difficult the job it is to persuade, to persuade people the dude to that, turn again? Like, yeah, it's hard. Isn't he a but crackhead? If it were hard, then there would be a different people trying to do it. Isn't Chris I mean, Christie the crackhead hard. governor? But on the other hand, I know what I'm saying is true. So, uh, the Republican frontrunner currently has four and trials scheduled in six like months stop Civil fraud case, or something? defamation sequel, the hush money trial, um, and now the uh, documents case. There may be two more. Weird reason. You're a former uh, prosecutor. Yep. Have you ever heard of someone facing between four and Set six bridge. trials within a few months for different legal issues? No. No. Um, usually, uh, folks like this commit 
discrete crime. <laughs> that winds up having one trial. Um, this guy um, is been a one-man crime wave. Yeah. And look, that's exactly how I described him. If you look at it, every one of these is self-inflicted, and and that's why. You know, do I think that prosecutors exercise prosecutorial judgment and discretion in some respects that um, are questionable? Yeah, and they always have. Um, but what I say to people all the time is, whether you agree or disagree with the prosecutors, look at the underlying conduct. Because that's what he did. Yeah. Whether you believe it was a crime or not, or whether you believe it was, it's fair to prosecute him for that or not, is the conduct something that you believe is appropriate for someone who wants to be president of the United States. Like, for instance, the, the prosecution of Manhattan is one that I wouldn't have yeah. brought. That's so extortion of but a foreign leader. Do we want someone as president other million who is willing to pay off a porn star who he had an affair with <laughs> two months before a national election or to rape, hide it from the people who are asking rape, for their vote for president of the United serial States? Serial rapists? I think that's probably conduct that we should be frowning upon. Right. Right? So with I, Jeffrey I think Epstein? we've got to talk about this in two different ways. Um, one, as a prosecutor, and so I don't believe in Manhattan prosecution, I absolutely believe in the classified documents prosecution. Now we'll see what the other two turn out to be, um, and I'll certainly give opinions about them when I see them, if they come out. But without doubt, it's the underlying conduct, John, that's the problem. And based on the evidence we've seen in the indictment out of Florida, do you think that that's, that Trump deserves to go to prison for what he saw in that indictment? Well, if he goes to trial and is found guilty, there is a presumption of jail. Yeah, there is. So, you know, now what a judge will do or not, will a judge send at that time, he'd probably be 78 years old, 79 years old. I mean, I know when I was a prosecutor, when people got to that age, you began to be very reluctant to send them to jail because it was essentially a death sentence. But usually people yeah. at that age in a prison setting don't do very well. Um, so I think there'll be a bunch of things that a judge would and should consider. But what the public needs to know is yeah, so that if he's convicted of those crimes, there is a presumption that he will be sent to jail, and the judge would have to work against that presumption not to. And you got an argument with Trump during debate prep about the corruption of Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. Yeah. Uh, if you were still a U.S. attorney, did you believe it was worth investigating Jared's uh. dealings with the Saudis? If, if I could figure out how to have jurisdiction over it in New Jersey, yes, I would. Um, but, yeah, I, absolutely, I think it's, it's worthy of looking at. Um, because I think anybody who goes into public service and appears to have used that public service to go on the grift, which is the only thing you can call this. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that does deserve to be looked at. Um, in the same way that I think the stuff that Hunter Biden is doing deserves to be looked at as well. I think that we have had what? now two presidencies of in a course. row where the father in the family seems to be unwilling or unable to control the conduct of their children. And if you can't do that, um, how the hell are you running the country? And I think that what proof? What are you going on? What are you talking like about? This is a banana republic. But you know, there's a you you recognize Bullshit. the difference, right? No one there's has your found any evidence. evidence Republicans never wrong. have any fucking Donald evidence. Trump has over and over again, right? Well, hold on. They now. just pull shit well, out, out of their ass. Kids. I know you're talking about. Literally. Well, but uh, so let's not switch the topic. I well, mean, you switch the topic. You brought it back. You want to talk? It's better to talk about both for you. No, 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 no. It, it's not only better to talk about both for me. It is also appropriate to talk about both. Because what we have now have are a lot society. of allegations that President Biden inserted himself 
into Hunter's business dealings when Hunter needed the a little backup. Now, we'll find oh. out whether or not that's sustainable or not, but I would note that the president hasn't denied it, and the White House hasn't denied it. Their, their statement now is, well, he's never been a partner in his business. Well, I, that's not the allegation. The allegation is that he supported it. But my bigger concern is that when you allow members of your family to trade on your name and benefit from it when you're in the White House, which Donald Trump clearly did, and which it appears Joe Biden did when he was vice president with Hunter's business dealings, that that makes people feel they're not being served. And that's a problem. And I told this to Donald Trump when I was running his transition in 2018. Don't hire your family in the White House. And he said, why? And I said, because you can't hire people in the White House that you can't fire. And you can't fire people that you have to have Thanksgiving with. So don't put them in there. Worse yet, he not only put them in, but he empowered them to interact with foreign governments. I mean, what was Jared Kushner doing in the Middle East? We had two very able secretaries of state, Rex Tillerson and Mike Pompeo, and they could have handled that. I believe he sent Jared there because Jared wanted to go there because all along, Jared's intent was to create those relationships in order to capitalize them, capitalize them with the money on the back end. So, uh, in this first presidential primary, uh, I believe it is the first where you can argue that one of the candidates tried to kill two of the other candidates. Uh, it was, you know, in uh, uh, the case of Mike Pence, it was Trump at the Capitol with the rope. In your case, he willfully exposed you to COVID. He did. That was really serious. He told Axios that uh, when you were in the hospital, he thought you might, you might, might die. I was definitely worried that we were a day or so away, as Dr. Foley, from being intubated. And that was definitely not something that had a great result. And then Trump called you. He did. And he was uh, very concerned about you. <laughs> well, kind of. Uh-huh. Uh, he was in Walter Reed at the same time. Yep. Huh. And he didn't sound very good. And he told, asked me how I was doing. But once he got past asking how I was doing, he asked me if I was going to tell the press that he had given me this COVID. Now, uh-huh. at that time, I didn't know that he was That's why he called you in. None of us in the room. None of you knew that he had had a positive test and had continued exposing himself to people for days and days. Correct. Correct. In fact, that session of debate prep, which was the Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, before that Tuesday debate um, at the White House, he, we later found out from Mark Meadows' book that that Saturday morning, he had tested positive. And then the, the, the wild thing is he came into the room, the map room in the White House, and it was me, Kellyanne Conway, Bill Stephan, and a manager, Hope Hicks, um, Stephen Miller, the speechwriter, and Jason Miller his communications aid, um, and I, we all had masks, we had all been tested, and then we all had to test negative before we were allowed to come into the White House, and I asked him, I said, you know, Mr. President, do you want Isn't to wear ironic? masks, or do you not want us to wear masks, we've all tested negative, so if you're comfortable with us not wearing masks, we're fine with not wearing them, he said, no, don't wear them, and he knew. He knew that he had wow. tested hey, yeah, that's evidence right there. In that room, all got COVID. And you told Mark that look, this is the one time you laughed while you were in the hospital because it was so so concerned about being blamed for this rather than for your. This person you've worked with has helped him. Psychopath. Uh, But this guy's never going to change. 
Uh, yeah. What happened to the president he knew he had of the United States? Did you feel like when you heard that, you thought, wow, Trump, he's as bad a person as I thought? Or do you think, wow, Trump, he's a worse person than I imagined? <laughs> you, did, you, you learned something about his character from yeah, that Yeah, I thought that was worse. Yes. You thought that was worse? Yeah, I think um, passing on a, a communicable disease. Knowingly, makes you worse than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> the reason you're supposed to be said you're in debate prep. You're in debate prep for several days. Uh, you were asked Where's in clip? November of 2021, basically a year out uh, uh, of Trump being in office, whether you regretted being part of debate prep, and your answer was the only.